Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of the Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. And be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll conclude our look at the prophecy of Habakkuk from the Old Testament. In the previous two episodes, we've looked at Habakkuk's complaints to God and his response to them. In the first of those two, we looked at Habakkuk going to God in the midst of all of the chaos in his world and saying, God, what are you doing? And God's reply was basically, you don't see me working because you don't have a healthy view of your circumstances. I'm always working. And so God lets him know what he's doing. But Habakkuk wasn't comforted by what he heard from God. He actually thought God was going about it all wrong. And he says, God, that's not right. And then God replies to him, you don't think it's right because you don't have a healthy view of yourself. God tells him, it's not about you, Habakkuk. It's about me. And so as Habakkuk listens to God, as he explains what he's doing and why he's doing it and and how it's all going to end, Habakkuk reaches a conclusion, a conclusion that so many people in Scripture reach when they have encounters with God. And that's recorded for us in Habakkuk chapter 3. If you have a Bible with you, I'm going to start reading Habakkuk chapter 3 in verse 2. O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of cushion in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea? When you rode your horses on your chariot of salvation, you stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with its rivers. The mountains saw you and withered. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped. At the flash of your glittering spear, you marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nation in anger. You went out for the salvation of the people for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. 
I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness has entered my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. The words we just read are a song that Habakkuk wrote as a result of his encounter with God. It was a song that Israel would sing for years to come. It is very glorious praise of God's power to redeem his people. As we read through there, you may have uh, heard things that uh, alluded to events of Israel being delivered from Egyptian bondage and taken to the land of Canaan. And Habakkuk now knows that God intends a, a similar redemption of his people. And so there are parallels between what's happened in the past and what's yet to come. Because of the faithfulness that God has exhibited in the past, now Habakkuk says he's content to wait on what the Lord will do. The song is a reminder that God's power in no way has been diminished. And it's a reminder to all who sing it that no matter how bleak circumstances look, God will set things right. So as Habakkuk has heard two responses from God and has put that information to, to use and changed his perspective on his circumstances, Habakkuk is able to say in his praise, God, you are awesome. But there's a replied response from God to that. Because throughout Scripture, as people have recognized the awesomeness of God, the power of God, and the expectations of God for his people, God has always said, if you think I'm so awesome, why don't you trust me? It's a question that's good for us. If God is so great, why don't we trust him? Because Paul records a simple promise in Romans 8, 28. He says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God will, in the midst of any bad circumstance that happens, when we choose to do things wrong or people choose to do things to us, God can work in the midst of that to bring out his purposes if we continue to love and trust him. So we have to ask ourselves, do we trust God? There are times that it seems difficult to believe that God is working on our behalf, that he is doing things that will accomplish his purposes, because we often, like Habakkuk, think that the bad guys are winning. We can work as hard as we can to have a healthy view of our circumstances and not be overwhelmed by them. We can uh, understand things about how God works and what our role is and, and do those things in the midst of our circumstances. But do we really trust God to bring out good in every situation? This is what Habakkuk came to understand, that God was going to work all of this world chaos into a plan for his own glory. Do we trust that God is going to do that? See, Habakkuk could trust God because he knew God. This is different than knowing about God. He had a relationship with God. 
We know this because he can recall experiences that he had with God and, and use those to help form his expectations of the future. So how do we have that same kind of relationship with God so that we can genuinely trust him and not just cross our fingers with wishful thinking that maybe God will do what we want him to do? The first thing we learn from Habakkuk is that part of knowing God is actually hearing and understanding him. We've got to actually listen to what God's saying and, and put in the effort to understand what he's trying to communicate not just assume that we have it all together and God's going to fix it while we go about our own business. See, God is always willing to explain himself to those who listen. That's what's happening here with Habakkuk. If Habakkuk were just railing against God but wasn't really interested in God's solution, he was just mad and was going to go pout, then God may not have even bothered explaining it to him. But God knew he had in Habakkuk someone who would listen and try to understand, so he took the time to explain it. Jesus tells us the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. If we seek, we will find. If we knock, the doors will be open. If we ask, it will be given to us. God is always willing to explain to those who listen. See, God had chosen to save the people of Judah. That was something they knew. But they had decided that God had saved them for their purposes because he liked them, that Israel was the fulfillment of the prophecy and the promise that God had made. But there was a fundamental flaw in that understanding because God didn't choose them to be the fulfillment of prophecy, he chose them to bring about the fulfillment of the promise. God had made a promise to Abraham that through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Israel itself was not the fulfillment of the promise. It was the vehicle through which the promise would be fulfilled. We need to understand that about ourselves as Christians, as children of God. We are not saved, rescued, redeemed for our own selfish purposes. We are redeemed so that God can use us for his purposes. What God wants to see happen in the world is accomplished through his people. God did not save Israel because they deserved it. He saved them so they could fulfill his purposes. We need to understand that as well. When we are washed with the blood of Christ and made spotless and holy, it's not so that we can brag to others that we're holy and they're not. It's not so that we can be in a position of, of power and authority and look down on others who aren't on our level. God doesn't clean us up so that we can brag to others. He cleans us up so that he can use us to fulfill his purposes of drawing more and more people to himself of spreading his glory throughout the earth. We also need to make sure that we understand the difference between knowing God and knowing information about God. There is a difference between having a set of beliefs and having a purpose. A lot of us hang on to a certain set of beliefs, and we think that makes us somehow superior to other people. We think God has equipped us with his word so that we can win arguments against atheists and put them in their place. But God has given his people scripture so that we can come to know him, know what he expects of us, be the people he wants us to be so that we can be a part of fulfilling his purposes. God was known by Habakkuk 
because he bothered to hear and understand what God had to say. Habakkuk also was willing to remember what God had done and to wait on the Lord. He would remember and wait. Remembering our experiences with God from the past build trust for the future and make it easier for us to wait on his next activity. In this chapter, Habakkuk has told us things that God has done in the past that showed his power. And because of that, he knew he could trust God to fulfill what he was promising to do in the future. The Chaldeans would be defeated and Israel would be rescued. But we need to make sure that in our waiting for God to fulfill his purposes, that we don't take that as an excuse to be inactive. Waiting on the Lord is not inactivity. It's not sitting back and relaxing while God does all the work. It's, again, realizing that we've been called to be a vessel for that work. And so we are willing to do whatever God has already revealed to us, whatever he's already asked of us, until he says stop. Waiting on the Lord means that we do the work of showing kindness and love to everyone, including our enemies, that we share the good news of Christ, that we assemble with saints, that we do all of the things he's given us to do because they equip and empower us to get through the the difficult times. And we keep on doing that until he says stop. And as we get to the end of Habakkuk's song, we see him say that even if Everything on the earth failed. If if there was just no more food anywhere to be had and there was no way to sustain life on earth, he would still rejoice in the Lord. He says, I will take joy in the God of my salvation and God the Lord is my strength. Part of knowing God is knowing that you can jump for joy and be strong. That because God will do all that he said he would do, We can take joy in the God of salvation. We can know that that salvation is coming for us and know that at the end of every trial, we can celebrate God's faithfulness. He also says, God, the Lord is his strength. And maybe we say that and we know that it's supposed to happen, but maybe we don't fully understand or haven't bothered to take the time to fully explore what that means. But having the Lord as our strength means that we will have the ability to do anything he asks us to do and that he will provide us activities to accomplish his purpose, that he will give us the power to overcome any obstacle that gets in the way, that he will provide us with the virtue that allows us to be the people of character that don't give in to Satan's temptations, but continue to do what God says to do until he tells us to stop. And it is an acknowledgement of the worth that we have because he has bestowed his power on us. We have value. Knowing all of these things, drawing that strength from the Lord brings us through every circumstance as more than conquerors. We can't always stop bad things from happening, but with the strength of God at our disposal, we will overcome. If that doesn't cause us to jump for joy, The problem's not God's, it's ours. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter.